Well, thanks, Andy. Uh, morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. So if you don't know me, as Andy said, I was here. I was here 2002 to 2010. And then uh, we moved to uh, Penzance in Cornwall. Anybody been to Cornwall? Anybody been to Penzance? A few of you, maybe. Um, if you don't know it, it's right down the bottom of Cornwall. We're about eight miles from Land's End, uh, literally the last town of England. And uh, we moved there in Christmas 2010. And uh, last year celebrated the 10th anniversary of our church that we planted, um, which is great. And this year we celebrated having our own building for the first time. Which is great. We've uh, we've spent ten years of having a school and having to set up every week, and you know, and other buildings and pack away. And uh, it's so nice. Just I mean, just like Andy does, just to re- literally roll into church five minutes before the service. <laughs> Not quite, uh, but it's just been it's been great, and uh, it's been a real blessing. I want to thank all of you who uh, continue to pray for us. As a church, quite a few have already said that this morning. We really do appreciate your prayers. Um, and uh, it's really lovely to know that people are praying for us and supporting us uh, as we carry on the work there. You're always welcome to come and see us if you're holidaying down our way. Um, apologies in advance for the traffic jams that you will sit in on your way. Um, but uh, it, uh, it will be lovely to see you. So we dropped our young people off yesterday um, in uh, Stafford at Limitless Festival as well. Um, and uh, we made the journey up yesterday, dropped them off, and then Joe and I are child-free for a few days, driving around in a minibus, uh, <laughs> which, which is a bit weird. So we were trundling along yesterday, like, <laughs> um, but um, it's, uh, it's all good fun. Um, for those of you that know our family um, and think that our children are still uh, toddlers, uh, they're not anymore. Ellie's 20 and just got engaged, and uh, she's getting married next year. And then we've got Tally, who's 17, nearly 18, and uh, B is 14. And they are all on the camp in different, uh, different guises. Ellie, our eldest, is leading a youth group from the church in Reading. Um, so that's kind of great and uh, nice that she's going to suffer in the way that I suffered for so many, <laughs> so many years. Um, well, um, I want to just uh, share a word with you this morning, um, hopefully just quite a gentle and encouraging word with you. Uh, it's something I actually preached in my church a couple of weeks ago in Penzance, and uh, bizarrely arrived this morning to find somebody here who was at that service two weeks ago in Penzance, <laughs> but she's, I think, with the baby downstairs in creche, so uh, she hasn't got to hear it twice. Um, but, you know, we live, uh, I think, in one of the most anxious eras of our history as a nation. Um, it's kind of been alluded to in some of the prayers, particularly what Alina was praying this morning, the anxiety that is all around it. Not that the circumstances of our age are any worse. I mean, of course not. You know, compare them to things like World War II and, you know, the plague or whatever. I don't mean that the circumstances are worse, but the way that we react and the anxiety that comes from those circumstances is, uh, I think, possibly worse. You know, every day we have 24-7 news channels pumping out worry to us. Every day on your phone, you're probably getting notifications about all sorts of things that are going wrong in the world and that are going to cause you all sorts of problems. And they kind of fill our schedule, don't they? So, you know, when the weather's hot, we just get bombarded with climate change. When you're feeling ill, it's bombarded with COVID. And then is it going to be COVID or are we going to get monkeypox? Is that going to be the next thing that comes around? 
you know, inflation's going up, the cost of living, all of that stuff. We're sort of bombarded constantly with this stuff that we can't get away from a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, I think all of that just kind of rises and creates anxiety in our hearts and in our minds that can be really difficult to deal with. Every website you look at is full of clickbait. You know what clickbait is? It's those kind of slightly shocking headlines that are designed to make you click on them. So it's like, why you've always been sleeping wrong. Something like that, and you click on it. Or reasons why you're going to die tomorrow. Those kind of shocking things that make you click on it. And then when you get on it, of course, it doesn't give you any news or I think it's helpful. It just worries you. That's what it is all about. And so despite the fact that we live in one of the richest, most medically advanced, most stable, most secure nations in the world, we're worried. We're constantly in fear and anxiety. And that fear, you see it working out in uh, the mental health across our nation. It grips people around. You see it so sadly in suicide rates, particularly amongst young people, as they're gripped by anxiety, by worry, and by fear. And it is really hitting our young people, really hitting them. And can I say that our young people are not woke snowflakes. They have just never known anything different. They have been brought up in this constant bombardment of bad news and anxiety that is all around them. And because this is society-wide, because it's everywhere, it's all saturating. As Christians, we're not immune, are we? We're not immune from this stuff, from this hard stuff. You know, we live submerged in this anxiety and all this trouble. We live kind of um, pushed under by it. So it's not surprising that anxiety would hit us as Christians and would hit our young people as well. We're not immune from it. So I just want to, for a few minutes this morning, just think on a few sort of uh, uh, thoughts really around this subject. Um, Because maybe today you're feeling the same issue yourself. Maybe you're feeling anxious. Maybe you're feeling worried. Maybe you're feeling fearful. Maybe you're feeling concerned. Maybe it's just something very small in the back of your mind. Maybe it's a growing thing. I don't know. But maybe it's there. Maybe you're not. And I hope and pray you're not. And that um, perhaps you can help the rest of us as we go through. But maybe if you are, I want to say some things that I hope will just uh, help us a little bit. You see, one of the most common greetings in the New Testament that you see is the word peace between Christians. They say it all the time, don't they? They always say peace to each other. So on the evening of the resurrection, Jesus walks into uh, the locked room of disciples. And what's the first thing he says? Peace. That's what he says to them. Almost every letter that Paul starts, start, or writes, starts with that phrase, grace and peace, or grace, mercy, and peace. He always says it over and over again. Peter signs off his first letter, peace to all of you. Um, uh, Hebrews finishes with, now may the God of peace equip you. John finishes his letter and he says, peace to you. Jude says, mercy, peace, um, and love be yours in abundance. This wasn't just something that one New Testament writer said, like some kind of annoying catchphrase. You know those preachers that have annoying catchphrases? Do you? Andy obviously doesn't have those. Um, I used to make you repeat things after me. Do you remember that? You, you loved it, didn't you? You couldn't get enough of it. Turn to the person next to you and say, peace. I mean, you just like... <laughs> Glory. 
<laughs> no, this saying peace is not just like an annoying catchphrase of one person. He could just say, oh, well, that's just Peter. He's always going on about peace. No, every single New Testament writer, every single New Testament character seems to, when they meet another Christian, the thing they say to each other is peace. Peace to you, grace, mercy, and peace to you. This is something they all say. And of course, we know Jesus talks about it a lot. Sermon on the Mount, he talks about do not worry. It's the same idea that he wants us to have peace. Now, saying peace to each other was something that kind of the hippies stole from us as Christians back in the 1960s as they were like, yeah, peace, bro, you know, whatever. They took that in Cornwall. We're still living that fully. That's... uh, (laughs) We will catch up eventually one day, but um, it's still there. But somehow, I can't help thinking that Jesus wants us to live with a greater sense of peace in our hearts and in our minds as Christians. And I guess the question then is, well, how do we find that peace? And also, how do we pass it on to each other? How do we say peace to each other without it just being a word with no meaning added to it? Uh, Last year... um, uh, a guy in my church, a lovely, lovely man, gave me a book. And uh, people, lots of people give me books. Lots of people send me clips to watch on YouTube. I don't often read them or watch them. Uh, but anyway, I did read this one because the man that sent it is a lovely man. It's a book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Anybody read it? A couple of you. It's a great book. It's a really helpful book. It's, it's one of those books that kind of just, it, like, it gently warms your heart and your soul. Um, it's, it's well worth reading. And um, I want to just draw a few things really that are in that book. And I just say that in case lots of you had read it and just think he's nicking that from the book. So I wanted to just attribute the book early on. But I want to just uh, draw a few things out of that, particularly out of one passage that we're going to look at. If you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to read some verses that you'll know very well, I'm sure. Matthew 11, and we're going to read from verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Let me read those last three verses again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. You know, this is an invitation here to the weary, to the burdened, to those who toil, those who labor, not physically, not those who are working um, sort of physically, but those who are toiling and laboring emotionally and spiritually to come and to find peace with Jesus, to come and uh, find rest in him. It says to those who are 
toiling and laboring, those of you who are struggling, those of you who are working hard to try and find this peace in your life. And Jesus says, come to me and you'll find the peace that you're looking for. It's an invitation to those who are weighed down, who are burdened, who are heavy laden, who have the sort of weight of the world upon their shoulders. It's an invitation to those of you who are just struggling with the troubles of this world that causes worry and anxiety to rise. And Jesus says, come to me and you'll find peace and rest. It's an amazing invitation from Jesus. And I think what we have here is the antidote for the worries and the anxieties of this world. We have here the answer, if you like, for it. To actually come and find rest and peace with Jesus. To come and find hope with him. And the reason this invitation is really effective, the reason why it works, is because of the way that Jesus describes himself. So he says here, he says, you can find rest in me because I am gentle and humble in heart. Gentle and humble in heart. I mean, what a lovely phrase that is. Dane Altland, who wrote this book, he points out something that Charles Spurgeon said uh, in that in all the four Gospels, in all the 89 chapters that you see across Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is the only place where Jesus talks about his own heart. This is the only moment in all the Gospels where he says something about his own heart, the, the, the sort of inner core of who he is. And when he describes himself, he says, I am gentle and I am humble in heart. That's who Jesus says about himself. He's not angry in heart as we sometimes view God to be. He's not driven or demanding or challenging us in heart as we sometimes view him to be. Do you know what? He doesn't even say that he's happy in heart. I mean, I think Jesus is happy in heart, but he doesn't say that here. He says, in the very essence of who I am, at my core, I am gentle and I am humble. That's how he describes about himself. Let's just meditate on those words just a little bit. He says, I'm gentle. Jesus is gentle in heart. The word used here, like all Greek words, has a much broader meaning. In English, we have lots of words, but they all mean the same thing. Because we have loads of different languages that have made up English. Okay, not really a very pure language. It's come from all over the place. So loads of words, they all mean the same. In Greek, a lot less words, but they all mean a lot more. They have a, a sort of real breadth of uh, meaning, so much wider meaning. So it's helpful to look at where else this word is used in the Gospels to help understand what it might mean. So Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uses this same word that's translated as gentle here. But in that passage, it's translated as meek. Blessed are the meek, if you remember that one. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, um, Matthew quotes Zechariah about Jesus. The uh, Palm Sunday, so he's riding into Jerusalem on the donkey. Do you remember that bit where he rides in? Uh, and as he comes in, and uh, Matthew says he is gentle and riding on a donkey. There's one other place in the New Testament where it's used. 1 Peter 3, 4, Peter speaks about godly women who have the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Lots of men just nudging their wives now, saying, I've just got a witness. I think that's a word for you, love, this morning. <laughs> but, but Jesus is saying here in Matthew 11, he says, I am gentle and meek. 
That's the words he's using. In our culture, that sounds a little bit weak, doesn't it? I think maybe just because meek rhymes with weak, we just somehow feel that those words are the same. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, sort of like away in a manger. And you know, that kind of like, it's all really like, really soft and all that kind of stuff. And it all just feels really shy and retiring. But actually, it's none of those things. To be meek is, is so much more. It's actually, it's, it's an active word. To be meek is to be self-controlled. To be meek is to not exploit other people. To be meek is to not suppress others, to not manipulate. To be meek is to submit to others, to want the best for them, to, to, to free them so that they may be who they are, to be the best. That is what this word is all about. So when this word is used of Jesus and he rides in on the, um, the triumphal entry on that Palm Sunday, he rides in, he's described as gentle or meek as he comes through. Do you know what the very first thing he does is? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild on a donkey. He goes into the temple and he gets so angry with all the people selling the stuff that he throws over the tables and he drives out the people from the temple who are exploiting and manipulating others. You see, that's what meekness looks like. Do you know what? Meek people, gentle people can get angry, but it's a righteous anger. They get angry when others are exploited they get angry when other people are being hurt. That's what it means to be meek and to be gentle. Dane Altland wrote the book, said this, Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated. He's the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. That's who he is. That's who he is. And so this invitation to come to Jesus, he says, come to me, for I am gentle, I am meek, is an invitation to, want to come to the one who will never drive you away, who will never exploit you, who will never manipulate you, who will never oppress you, who will never turn you away, he'll never be angry with you out of a harsh anger, and he'll stop at nothing to deal with those who do those things to you. He's gentle. He's meek. That's who Jesus is. And then it says, he's not just gentle, but he says, I am lowly. I am lowly. Or it can, um, or it can be translated as humble. So he's gentle and humble, or gentle and lowly. The, the words are lowly and humble. And this is saying that Jesus is completely approachable. He's completely accessible. He's lowly in his heart. He's, he's God. And we've just done a series on the book of Revelation in our church in Penzance, and uh, did a 12-week series, lasted for 16 weeks, because we overran just a little bit, and we have seen some pictures of Jesus that are mind-blowing. There's one where he stands, and he's got like a sword coming out of his mouth. He's got a tattoo on his thigh that says, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he's got like this burning stuff, and it's all, they're like, when he appears, it is all kicking off, and it's amazing. If you've not read some of those passages about Jesus, they are worth looking at, because Jesus in the manger at Christmas is Jesus, but Jesus with a sword coming out of his mouth and burnished bronze and all sorts of things kicking off. That is also Jesus as well. And so, so that is who he is. But the picture we've got here is, is actually of Jesus being humble, of being lowly, of being down at our level, being accessible, being approachable by all. He's open to us. Do you know what? There's nothing special that you and I need to do to come into his presence. We don't have to work something up. 
Do you know you don't even need to put down your burdens and your worries and your anxieties to come into the presence of Jesus? In fact, your burdens and your worries and your anxieties qualify you to come into his presence. And because he is humble in heart, because he is humble at his very core, right in the midst of who, in the sort of center of who he is, do you know what? He will never, ever run out of humility. He will never, ever run out of accessibility. I do that. I, I mean, you may be much better than me, but I get to a point where I really have had enough of people. Like, does anybody else have that? Some of you. Those of us who are more on the introvert side of life, like, I just need to go away sometimes and just be quiet. Um, and I just, you know, recharge my batteries away from people. Because although I do a job where I stand in front of people all the time, I'm an introvert at heart, so I just need to go and be quiet. Like, you know, Sunday afternoon, I just need a bit of time, a bit of downtime, just, <laughs> just away from people. Do you know what? Thank goodness Jesus is not like that. <laughs> you don't come to Jesus and he says, really, I've, I've just had enough of people. I need a break <laughs> now. Thankfully, he doesn't do that. He doesn't need to go and recharge his batteries. He doesn't have to go and deal with his own issues because he hasn't got any issues of his own. He doesn't need to go and do that. He is gentle and he is humble in your heart. So he's waiting for you. And every time you and I come to him, he's ready. He's open. He's accessible. We can come right into his presence because he's there. That is just amazing. That is who our Savior is. That is who Jesus is. And it says here, he says, come to me because I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And then it says, and I will give you rest. That's the exchange that goes on here. In return for us coming to him with our worries and our fears and our anxieties and all that uh, that burdens us, he says, I'm going to give you rest. I will give you rest in return. Whatever you're dealing with in your life, the desire of Jesus is that you would find rest in him. That is his desire. He doesn't want us to keep toiling He doesn't want us to keep being burdened by fear and worry. He wants us to find peace and rest in him. Can I say that ultimately in him we find spiritual rest? That's ultimately what we find in him. That search for being known, to be loved, to be forgiven. That search to find hope in our lives. Well, he's the only one that can give that. And I want to say that today if you're here and you're not a Christian, or if you're watching this online and you're not a Christian, you've never given your life to Jesus, you you don't really know him personally, then I want to say that this Jesus who says to you, come to me and you will find rest, the rest he is promising is a spiritual rest, it's a deep rest, it's a knowledge that you are safe in him, that when you die you will go to be with him forever in eternity. And you can come to know him today, you can give your life to him today. It starts with something that the Bible calls repentance, that we don't like to use that word, but it's a real word. Repentance means to say sorry, Say sorry for my sin, sorry for my mess, sorry for living life my own way, and then turning around and following him. And when you follow him, then he will give you that ultimate spiritual rest that he's talking about here. And if that is you today, then come and speak to someone. Someone who's a Christian will be helpful. But come, you know, come and speak to someone. Maybe someone has brought you, come and chat with Andy or someone on the desk here, whatever. Just come and chat and just say, I want to know more about that. And I'm sure they would love to explain it to you. But I really want to say for those of us who are Christians here this morning, those of us who have already given our lives to Jesus, 
you know, we can, we can get so sucked under by the troubles of this world, by the worries and the anxieties of this world that we lose sight of Jesus. And so this passage is a reminder to come to him, to come to Jesus and to find rest. And you know this, uh, he says at the very end, my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. You know what a yoke is? It's not the bit in the middle of an egg. Because if you think that, you're going to be really confused about what he's talking about. Um, He doesn't mean that. He's talking about, I'm just going to explain my farming knowledge to you here. Uh, The yoke is that bit, isn't it? They get like a couple of oxen, don't they? Cows, whatever. And they put the the sort of wooden, they used to plow bit that connects the two together that pulls. Is that clear? <laughs> we got any farmers here? No. So uh we'll leave it at that, shall we? <laughs> it's that it's that thing that sort of harnesses the animals together so that they can pull the plow so that um it can have some purpose. It sort of pulls them together. Um and what Jesus is saying is that actually when you give your life to me, when you come to me, when you come and find me and I harness you. And I harness you with your brothers and sisters together, but for a purpose. When you come into that place, that my yoke that comes on you is easy. Now, as we sit here this morning, we think, do you know what? It doesn't feel easy a lot of the time. Sometimes it feels quite hard. It feels quite tough. And that's where it's good to just look again at what that word means, that word easy. It's one of those Greek words, again, with huge breadth of meaning. And it's worth looking at where else it's used. And it's used another time in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says we should be kind to each other. That's the same word. Kind is the same word as easy in the Greek. It's the word Christos. It's translated in a few other places in the New Testament as kind or as kindness. So Jesus says, come to me and my yoke is kind. Come and submit to my kindness. Come and place yourself under my kindness. Come and, and, and be, be part of my absolute, perfect, 100% perfect kindness. That's what he's saying. You know, imagine somebody uh, drowning in the sea. And they're out or in, you know, in, a, in a river or something. And they're, and they're drowning away and they're shouting for help. And somebody throws them a, like a life ring whatever thing and they throw it in and, and the person says well you know that's too heavy I'm going to put that on me because I'm struggling to swim anyway that's too heavy and they've completely misunderstood the point of the thing that's been thrown to them what's been thrown to them is kindness and actually if they put it on them it's kindness because it will save them and that's what Jesus is saying he says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest and my yoke is kind. My yoke is easy. Something that this uh, author wrote in this book. He says, um, Jesus astounds and sustains us with his endless kindness. Only as we walk deeper into this tender kindness can we live the Christian life as the New Testament calls us to. Only as we drink down the kindness of the heart of Christ will we leave in our wake, everywhere we go, the aroma of heaven and die one day having startled the world 
with glimpses of a divine kindness too great to be boxed in by what we deserve. The more we know this kindness of Jesus, the more that we will leave in our wake everywhere we go this kindness. Years ago, we did a series here called Overflow with Hope. Anybody remember that series? Somebody at least, please. Put a lot of work into that series. You remember it. Thank you. It's called Overflow with Hope. Using it, uh, I say we, it was me. Dave had nothing to do with it. Uh, it was <laughs> an analogy of a chocolate fountain, of this overflowing with hope. And, and that was the whole point. Is actually, as Christians, we overflow with hope. And what it's saying here is actually as we, as we come in and, and are harnessed by the kindness of Christ, that is what we then leave in our wake. We overflow with kindness, with love, with care to those around us. And sometimes we find that quite hard to understand because Jesus is so far, you know, God is so far above us in every way. He's so much more than us. And, and sometimes we think he'll treat us like people who are above us treat us. You know, like the boss at work or the, you know, the authority figure who's a bit unkind to us. And we think that's what Jesus, you know, when we come to him, he's going to look down his nose at us. He's going to like, oh, really? Again? How many times do I have to explain this to you? And that's how we think he's going to come to us but actually he's completely the opposite he holds open his arms ready to embrace us and he embraces us hard you know one of those hugs that's a proper full-on hug not a covid awkward should we be doing this hug like a proper one you know from 20, 2019 hug like really like pulls you in and it goes on for longer than you personally feel a bit comfortable. It's just really like hard and they, it's tight. That's what he says. Come to me and find rest. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's who our Jesus is. You know, we live in this anxious world. This 24-7 news bombardment. And I don't for a minute belittle the, the things that we go through that cause anxiety and trouble and worry in our lives. We go through a lot of tough stuff, and I'm sure some of you here are in really difficult situations. And yet Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, you who are laboring, who are toiling to find peace. Come to me, those of you who are burdened and heavy laden by the anxieties of this world, and you will find rest. Because what I'm going to give you kindness it's light it's easy that's who jesus is rob guys whoever's coming back come back and join me let's just close our eyes for a moment I'm not going to do like an appeal where you come out the front this morning, but I just want to pray with you or for you where you are. I'm not even going to ask you to respond in any physical way to, to stand or anything like that. I just want to pray for you this morning. If the anxieties and the troubles and the worries of this world are weighing heavily upon you, or you just feel it just rising in you, you just think, I'm not as, I don't feel as free as I used to. It's just, 
weighing heavily on me a little. I just want to turn your eyes towards Jesus. I want to encourage you to come to him, to find rest in him, to find his kindness, to find his peace today. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning. I pray for those who are watching online as well, Lord, and I just pray that those who are just coming to you now will find rest in you. Holy Spirit, will you just come now? Spirit of Jesus, come and fill this place, fill every heart, every mind. Bring rest, bring peace, bring kindness. Feel the Lord would want to say to you today, grace, mercy, and peace to you. Peace. Right where you are. 